And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we have just confessed in song, we are in desperate need of your mercy. For even as this song says, we do keep desiring sin, freed from death's prison, and yet we keep running back in. Lord, in your word, you tell us that our hearts are desperately wicked, that even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. We feel that, Lord. We know that. How desperately wicked we are. And yet we rejoice in your mercy, in your grace that is even greater than all our sin. And so, Lord, even as we turn our attention to this passage, May we rejoice in the good news of the gospel and the hope that we have here in the word of God, the hope that we have in Christ alone. For you have given us mercy. Guide our thoughts in this hour, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 119, as we continue our series through the Psalms, through Psalm 119, we are in verses 97 to 104. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from, evil, from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The psalmist starts here with a proclamation, Oh, how I love your law. And as we've been working our way through Psalm 119, this uh, psalm that, that focuses on the Word of God, uh, even have a, a, almost an ode to the Word of God, as the psalmist constantly is running back to the Word. That's where he finds his, his hope, his comfort, his foundation. So we see that word law there. It's not necessarily just the Ten Commandments. It is, it is all that God has said. It is what God has given to us. Uh, the law of the Lord. This is what the psalmist is proclaiming here. How I love your law. In fact, it is my meditation all the day. You see, the psalmist's constant meditation on the law testifies to his love for the law. Because he loves the law, he meditates on it. He thinks about it. It's constantly in his mind. Just thinks about, think about your thoughts. Over the past day, or, or maybe in a quiet moment, where is it that your mind runs? What is it that you, that you think about? What is it that, that's easy for you to talk about because you've thought through that thing? You spend a lot of time thinking. A lot of times it's something that you love, is it not? Something you, you constantly are meditating on. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's cars, or some other hobby. Something that you just you spend time there. That's where your mind goes. And the fact that you think on it testifies to your love for it. You think about what you love. And yet, at the same time, 
while the psalmist meditates on it, it causes him to love the word all the more. Oh, how I love your law. Brothers and sisters, is that the cry of your heart this evening? Do you love the word of God? Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. He goes on in verses 98, 99, and 100. And uh, he's talking about this understanding here, this wisdom that comes from the law. Verse 98, you, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. The, the they there connects back to commandments. Your commandments are ever with me. Constant meditation. And this constant meditation on the commandments of God help the psalmist to think rightly in every situation. The Lord, through his word, is guiding the psalmist. So he's wiser than his enemies. In fact, note the progression of these verses from foolish to most wise. Because, because here in verse 98, we see enemies, 99 teachers, 100 ancients. There's a progression here from what the world sees as foolish, right? Everyone would say the enemies, ungodly, everyone would say, well, they're, they're foolish. Teachers, well, they're, they kind of have some understanding. Ancients, they're, they're really wise, right? They, they have tons of experience. They've, they've, um, they, they know what they're talking about. And yet the word of God gives more understanding than all of these. We've seen here in verse 98, you make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers. How can this be? For your testimonies are my meditation. Just think about at school, teachers, different subjects. Think about even science. What is science if not the art of observation? And yet the psalmist learns from the creator himself. Not just someone who, who observes something and then teaches it, but from the God himself who is creator. He has true insight and understanding that a secular teacher cannot and does not have. In fact, I would submit to you that that's the idea here where, where he keeps using this word understanding. The idea here is true insight he has true insight as a result of his meditation on the word of God. True insight into what really matters, how the world really works. One hundred, I understand more than the ancients. Because I keep your precepts. More than the ancients, this, this ancient knowledge. Or even it could be the idea of elders in a community. Those who have lived the longest, have the most experience, speak from the wisest point, knowing the most. Yet the psalmist knows more because his source is God himself. It is the word of God. And note even, because I keep your precepts, not just because I know them, not just because I meditate on them, 
This understanding, it's more than just mere knowledge. It's knowledge applied in obedience. He sees what the Lord says and he obeys. I keep your precepts. So his meditation on the word of God, his meditation on God's law, gives him understanding. It gives him true insight. But not only does it give him understanding, but even as we start seeing in verse 100, and then even more blatantly in verse 101, wisdom. Wisdom. You see, where understanding is is understanding facts, wisdom is rightly applying that understanding. As the psalmist meditates, he, he understands things. He has true insight into things. And then he also has the ability to apply that understanding, that insight, through wisdom. As I mentioned, we saw that hinted at, at the end of verse 100, I keep your precepts. The idea there of, of action, not just knowledge. But then even more blatantly, in verse 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way. This has real-world application. Because I love your word, because I meditate on your word, it is working in me. And I restrain my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. There's a desire there, a love that flows from his love for the law. Then I want to do it because I love it. He has a higher love to pursue. It's not that he doesn't face temptation. Everyone faces temptation. He doesn't say, I've restrained my feet from the evil way because I've reached perfection. Temptation is gone. It's because I love your word so much and I want to keep it. I want to keep your law and your statutes. I restrain my feet. Why? So that I can keep your word. His love for and knowledge of God's word guides his feet. In fact, it is this very same love for God's word, his knowledge of God's word, that has kept him through the trials that we just walked through with him in verses 65 through 96. So he finds himself in tribulation pouring out his heart to God, waiting patiently for God. What is it that gives him hope for those 30 verses? It is the word of God. The truths that he finds there, the hope that he finds there. I restrain my feet from every way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments. For you yourself have taught me. A recognition here of the divine origin of God's word, God's law. God's word is from God. In the New Testament, we use the the phrase, the the idea of the inspiration of Scripture. As we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, the end of that chapter, 19 and 20. Or in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, uh, Hebrews 4, 7. The inspiration of Scripture All scripture is breathed out by God. It has divine origin. It is not men who sit down to write this out of their own will. But guided by God, they write the word of God. 
As the psalmist sits down with God's law, he's sitting down with God himself. You yourself have taught me. And then verse 103, so how sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. This is not a duty. It is a joy. I have grown to love your word. You don't have to force yourself to eat sweets. At least I don't. That comes naturally. <laughs> I crave it. I want it, right? That's the idea here. The psalmist loves the word. He runs to the word. That's where he wants to be. It is not a duty that he has to force himself to do. It is sweeter than honey to my mouth. So through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The psalmist is shaped by the word of God. He knows what is right and wrong through the law of the Lord. This passage really hits on the same truth that we see elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, passages like Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. Is that not the very thing, th same thing that the psalmist is saying here? I love your word, and from that love, as I meditate on these truths, it gives me understanding, it gives me wisdom. So as we come to the end of these verses, just a few questions. Number one, what do you meditate on? Where does your mind run to? What is it that shapes or guides your thinking? Where your heart goes, where your mind goes, your mouth and your hands and your feet, your actions will follow. That's what we see here in this passage. We know that also from the New Testament, Jesus himself in Luke 6. Verses 43 to 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Let me ask you this evening, very pointedly, what is in the abundance of your heart? What's in your heart? What do you meditate on? Can you honestly say with the psalmist, Oh, how I love your law. It is the meditation, it is my meditation all the day. I think we'd all like to say that we could say that. <laughs> could you really, truthfully, honest with yourself? I'm not asking anyone to raise your hand, just be honest with yourself. 
Is that your testimony? What do your actions say? Does your faithfulness in Bible reading say that you love God's word? Is it a sweet delight or a bitter duty? Another passage that deals with our thoughts, our heart, Philippians 4. Really starting even in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. These are two passages that... I th- at least me, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of separate them normally in my mind, right? I think of, uh, don't worry, pray, and then think rightly. But really, they are uniquely connected. Because how is it that I'm going to guard my mind from worrying? It's by thinking rightly. If you're not meditating on these things that are true and good and just and noble, then when worries come... Those are not going to be the things that fill your mind. The things that fill your mind is going to be worry and fear and doubt. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That starts now, not when worry starts to creep up. That starts now as you meditate on these things that are true and good and noble and just. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and the minds through Christ Jesus. These do, and the God of peace will be with you, verse 9. So the same thing we saw in Psalm 119, 97 to 104, the same thing we saw in Luke 6, the same thing we see here in Philippians 4, the same thing we saw in 1 Samuel 27, last Sunday night. Where David's mouth says one thing, but his heart and mind say another. Brothers and sisters, we have got to get this. We have got to think rightly. Love your law. Meditate on the word of God. Let the word shape your thinking. Be a man or a woman who is shaped and guided and led by the word of God, not by your passions. Not by your fears and by your doubts. By the word of God. This is our hope. This is our foundation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You say, well, what if I 
What if I don't love the word? What if I do struggle? Then what do I do? How do I love it? You meditate on it. You meditate on it day and night and you will grow to love it all the more. It's kind of circular. You love the law because you meditate on it. That, that, that meditation is a sign of your love. And at the same time, as you meditate on it, you grow to love it more and more. So brothers and sisters, love the law and meditate on it all the day. With that, we're going to take some prayer requests. And uh, hopefully, the law of the Lord will guide us even